we're going to do is do our team of the tournaments. Um, so we're just going to go through position by position. We're going to both do um, our player of the tournament in those positions. I think we'll probably go goalkeeper then. Like, I assume are you doing a four-three-three of some sort? Yeah, I've got I, I <laughs> I've got two left backs, but I've got four defenders, three midfielders, three attackers. Okay, that's perfect. Um, well, well, we'll roll with that. So we'll do yeah, goalkeeper, then full backs, then two centre backs, then holding midfield player, then two eights and whatever yeah, wingers, yeah. then number nine or whatever. Um, but I'll let you know. So. Yeah, goalkeeper then. Yours is Jordan Pickford. Of course it is. Yeah, because he, he's got six, six, no, five, five, sorry, five clean sheets across the tournament, five in a row. Um, had probably his best game against Italy. Made a oh, superb save before their goal, um, where he was unlucky to, for it to come back off the post rather than go posting out. There's nothing more he can do. I actually, I was, I, I was ready to be critical of him after I first saw it. I was like, "For fuck's sake, why is he not pushed that wide?" And I saw the replay and was like, "Okay, you know, he's done that's an exquisite save." He made a couple of other good saves through the, um, that match, but through the tournament as well. Uh, saved two penalties in the shootout as a goalkeeper. Two excellent saves as well, by the way. That one on Jorginho as well, mm. especially. When he saved that, I, oh, that I, I thought we'd won. That was it. I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> um, you're very unlucky as a goalkeeper uh, in any round, let alone a final, to save two penalties in a shootout and not win. But yeah, Jordan Pickford, yeah. man of the people. We love him. <laughs> it's gotta be. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I... Yeah, I, I agree. He was brilliant. And that um, penalty for uh, penalty save from Jorginho in particular, he did exactly what you sort of sit there with. Like, I'm no goalkeeper expert, but you sit there willing every goalkeeper that is um, trying to save a penalty against Jorginho, Bruno Fernandes has a very similar technique. You just go, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> just wait. Just wait to see what they're doing. Because they do the hop, skip, and a jump, they're trying to see where you're going to commit, and then they'll go that way. If they you can't stand get much ground, power. It, yeah, exactly. So, so you've got a good chance of getting there. They also struggle to sort of direct it really well, so it ends up being like quite central in the goal as well because they're sort of making a decision really last minute. And also, if you don't go, it then forces them to make a decision like really last minute of where they're going to put it. So. He, he he dealt with that perfectly, and obviously, yeah, he he's it was two penalty saves he made, wasn't it? And two two decent saves as well, particularly that one. So um, fair enough, and he was obviously very good, and as you say, he got the golden glove. Um, but my goalkeeper of choice is actually Donnarumma. Um, it's his goalkeeper, and I, I did I did go back and forth between these two. Jordan Pickford is my uh, notable mention for this um, position, um, but I, I went Donnarumma because I was just taking a look at some of the the, the stats. Uh, Pickford conceded two goals, Donnarumma conceded four, um, but that was Pickford conceded two from a post-shot XG of 2.7 um, and Donnarumma conceded four from a post-shot XG of 5.5. So I just felt, um, obviously the difference there being Pickford has basically saved 0.7 goals more than he should have done. Donnarumma has saved... 1.5 goals more than he should have done. Fairly marginal difference, but I just felt like Donnarumma was tested a little bit more, um, hence the higher overall um, uh, number of the post-shot XG. I felt like uh, Donnarumma had a far more kind of 
open defense in front of him. So I had to do a lot more kind of commanding goalkeepers. I felt goalkeeping. I felt, um, he's also just massive. Uh, so I, I thought he was really good at like coming and claiming crosses and those sort of stuff. Just a very dominating keeper. His distribution was decent. Uh, Pickford's was probably better during the tournament. Um, but obviously with a slow back line like Bonucci and uh, Chiellini, Dollarib had to be a little bit more, um, it just had a bit more to do, I thought. Um, so it, it was it was a pretty bit of a split decision. I thought both of them were really, really good. Um, but yeah, I went, I went with Donnarumma. Yeah, I, I, I can accept that. I don't think, <clears throat> if you'd have read the name of if you'd have read the name of any other keeper other than those two, I'd have really questioned it. Because I agree, Donnarumma's my notable mention, but I, I, I can't vote past Jordan, can I? And and I did say I did say Golden Glove winner. I predicted it on the first episode. You did. And that's that's <laughs> the first and only prediction I'm ever gonna get right on this podcast. Well well done, mate. Really proud of you. <laughs> um Right, um Right, fullbacks then. Go go for fullbacks. So, uh, so okay, so I I've just sort of I've just done my, my best four defenders, three midfielders, three attackers. Oh, okay. So okay. I, I've not tried to make a playable squad here. I've just done... Okay, so I did. Okay, so oh. I, I've... That'll affect it a little bit then. So I've no, gone for right. Spinazzola and Shaw. Okay, sure. Who uh, you uh, yeah. for? Uh, no, I, I don't hate that though, um, because Spinazzola can play right back. So yeah, <laughs> we'll allow is, it. That is fine, although... Because I thought about doing this because I've got a right back at left back, but he played left back all tournament, so I thought I'd have to sort. I just picked him as the left back. Um, but I've gone for Kyle Walker and um, Mailer, uh, Denmark yeah. Mailer. Yeah, That's yeah. Fair. yeah. Um, so go on then. Uh, why have you gone for for those two? <coughs> so um, I, I was actually close to going Mailer. To be fair, if I'd have had mm. to do, um, if I if I was doing a positionally, I'd probably have put him at right back. Uh, Shaw, I thought my I I've probably been the most critical person in England of Shaw this tournament, which which isn't very much to be fair. But my my criticisms of him have been say positionally, he looked like he might get exposed, left a lot of space. He didn't that like he mm. he looked like that. He didn't. Um, he even though it looks like there is that potential there, that didn't happen at any point during the tournament. Uh, he scored a great goal. He got three assists, I think, in the end. Potentially yeah. four. I have three in my head. Um, was just great attacking, solid enough defensively, but had a really good back line behind it. Uh, well, to the to the side behind him, depending on which formation we were playing. Um, I just thought he had a really good tournament, and very very similar reasons for Spinazzola. To be fair, he was very good attacking for Italy. I think he was it was noticeable when he that that he wasn't in their side from the injury. Um, Emerson did okay as a replacement, but it's just simply not as good as Spinozola. And, and that that's probably swayed it for me, just the significant difference that Italy had mm. from having Emerson, who, by the way, I uh, this is the first time I'd ever discovered he wasn't Brazilian, because I just assumed he was <laughs> with a name like that. Um uh, but he he came in and he he did fine. Look, I, I don't have any major criticisms of him, but he did not do what Spinazzola. Did. Spinazzola is also rapid um, down that sort of that wing, which Emerson is not so much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I 
I'm bigging them up. I've not got anything to to slag off of your two choices, though. They again, great, great tournament. <laughs> Defend them. Go on. Um, yeah. So Spinner was definitely my um, notable mention. He probably would have picked it if he had like been fit for the the last couple of games. But I just felt that um, because he didn't didn't sort of go all the way with Italy that. I don't know, it's, it's probably a little bit harsh, but I thought he was great um, all tournament. And as you say, they I think they lost loads when uh, they lost him. I, 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 Emerson just, yeah, he just isn't as isn't as good. And um, But I decided to go for the, the other left-back who's a right-footed player because there was a couple of those happening. bit sort of strange um, to see. You kind of inverted full-backs is a sort of... But in like an attacking sense, almost as like wingers coming inside a lot. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, I I went with Melo, and I just thought I think I went with him because of how well Denmark did under obviously some pretty rough circumstances for them personally, but also just they're not exactly a sort of dominating side Denmark, and they definitely sort of punched above their weight a lot of the time and did very very well to get um, as far as the semi final, and I thought. Mailer was absolutely instrumental to that, particularly in um, an attacking sense. Um, just really, really exciting to watch. Um, my other uh, fullback choice is obviously, as I say, Kyle Walker on the other side. Which um, I just, I just felt that from a from a standpoint of England defensively being able to go from the back four to the back three. Like, Kyle Walker is so important to that, being able to play as the outside uh, centre-back and also as the full-back. His recovery runs are unbelievable. It's sort of just an intangible that you can't really measure so well. But he just... He gets his other players out of trouble so much. And I think, you know, you're talking about impressive uh, an impressive tournament for Jordan Pickford. I think someone like Kyle Walker is so important for the protection that Jordan Pickford gets. Um, in that in that front line, just sort of avoids his, his, his sheer pace and also sort of positional awareness, I guess, and um, a lot of energy. Um, just means that actually Jordan Pickford doesn't get exposed so often to those sort of um, yeah, a lot of one on one situations. Really, I can't think of many examples where Jordan Pickford was faced up one on one. That other than that Thomas Muller chance um, in the Germany game, I can't think of a sort of like a proper one-on-one situation. And that's because Kyle Walker is just so good at sweeping up behind the back line. And that's so impressive to even be doing that from right back in a four. So um, he, he's not been the most sort of sexy player of the tournament. You know, he doesn't do much going forward. He obviously, even when we played the four, he ends up tucking inside quite a lot to form that back three that we've spoken about before. Sort of Shaw pushes up high, but Walker tucks in. Um but I just think he's he's been so good at doing the the defensive stuff um, that I, I thought I'd uh, go with him. But yeah. I think a lot of what he does defensively goes under the radar mm. as well because of <clears throat> I don't know because of his pace. He makes quite a lot of it look very effortless mm-hmm. in a way that even similarly technically talented players can't do because they just haven't got the pace. Because he he can always just. You're never going to knock it around him, obviously. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. But he, he's reco- like you say, his recovery runs and he gets back. He doesn't just get back. He gets back and then some. 
yeah. he's sort of he's not just back covering; he's back and between the. It's like basic when you're eleven and learning to play football. It's like you, you goal side. He gets back and his goal side. He every yeah. time he's back and he just puts himself between the ball and the goal. And and he probably I. This could be complete bollocks. I would imagine for for corners conceded, he's probably quite high up there. But that that with the context of the sorts of balls he's putting behind the corners are the sorts of balls that other defenders would be conceding a shot from. Even if not a very high probability shot, mm. they would be conceding the shot and he's putting his foot out and managing to stop them from doing that in a way that a lot of players can't do. Yeah. No, I completely agree. As you say, it is so sort of... Um, it's, it's intangibles. Like, yeah, as you say, like, it goes under the radar just because there's... Um, not a really very easy way to measure a lot of that sort of stuff, but yeah, just a just a really solid right back. And I think we we were a little bit concerned. I think earlier on in the tournament that he hadn't really started that well, and I think he just ended up being a uh, yeah. There's no question that you would start Kyle Walker. You know, uh, we we never mentioned once that we you know we were missing Trent or something like that, for example. So I think that's quite an impressive thing to do, given the abundance of right backs that England have at their disposal, just to kind of very very quietly just do a good job um, what about your centre back then who are you going for so um, my Maguire is my my certain and I've I've put Chiellini um, mm-hmm. all, all, all the reasons I'm going to put forward for Chiellini the same is absolutely relevant towards Benucci um, it's kind of a toss up between them to be perfectly honest I think they've had very similarly impressive tournaments I'm just going to give it to Chiellini because he's He's slightly older, so his, and he's slightly slower as well, um, but never looks it because he's one of those players who, very, very much like John Terry, actually, um, never, never the fastest. Is so intelligent in his defensive work. He doesn't have to be. He can just read the ball, knows where it's going to be, or knows where the player wants it to be, and puts himself between the ball and wherever that place is. I think he does that really well. Um, and Maguire, I just he he's made a difference coming in, which I think is very hard to do as a centre back. It's not it's it's often a position where your 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 work goes quietly unnoticed. But he he's come in and he carried the ball out of defence into midfield in a way that no other English centre back has done. Um, certainly not this tournament, anyway. And and I know Stone say has tried it and has got potential to do it but he's just not quite as good at it um with harry Maguire and harry Maguire, i think it is as competent at what he does in this england squad as he is in the united squad if not more competent whereas someone like stones um and as stones is a great player you, you kind of notice he he's a lot more effective in a side as good as cities than he is in a in the england side as opposed to Maguire, who is great all round um, and it, yeah, he's, he's, he's carrying in progressive passes as a centre back were superb. Uh, yeah, and I completely agree. I've gone for both of those players nice. as my picks for the positions as well. Um, I've gone for Chiellini over Benucci mostly because Benucci's a dick. And I much <laughs> That's prefer fair. That's Chiellini. Fair. Uh, Benucci has some controversial. Um, uh, historical comments 
and oh, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's made some very odd, very odd uh, comments. But yeah, that's a discussion for a different day. But <laughs> he, I, um, <laughs> I just, I, um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. It was something about Benucci. Yes, I know what it was. He he is he is one of the. This happens every tournament, but he's one of the um, foreign players who has completely missed the meaning behind the "It's Coming Home" song as well, and has clearly taken it a little too much to heart about uh, a song by what is it Skinner and Badil that I've butchered that it's like a pronunciation <laughs> but then, like it's a joke song about how bad we are I've yeah. said this many times throughout the podcast I, I'm like a stuck record we don't actually think it's coming home it's like <laughs> it's, yeah. we're just shit and like to laugh about it because if you don't laugh you'll cry and that's how we cope yeah. as English football fans uh, no absolutely um but yeah, anyway, so uh, Chiellini, Maguire, Chiellini, um, brilliant, hasn't been dribbled past all tournament, he's 100% dribbler, tackle success rate, um, as you say, for an old chap that's getting on a bit, has pretty broken legs, that's fairly impressive, he also had that injury briefly and managed to come back from that in tournament, which I always think is quite impressive, like if you're put out through uh, a little sort of muscle strain and you're able to get yourself fit again, particularly at that age, within the cycle of a tournament, which is only a month long in its entirety. That's quite impressive to come back at a high level as well and carry on performing. Uh, so I love that. And then, yeah, as you say, Maguire as well, because he's been brilliant. He had such an impact when he came back in. Uh, not that Mings was doing particularly poorly, surprisingly. He actually started the tournament quite well, which I think shocked us both. But um, And I think both of us were a little bit like, oh, why, like, is... You know, should you be bringing Maguire back in? Is he fully fit? Mings has started quite well. Is it going to upset all things? Etc, etc, etc. But Maguire was brilliant. And as you say, uh, it's particularly his on-the-ball stuff that you want to focus on here. He's um, he's He carried the ball almost um, 2,000 uh, yards across the whole tournament. Uh, a lot of that's progressive. Um, just, just a really... A really, a really nice centre back on the ball, and as you say, his passing as well, excellent. Um, defensively, he's a little bit more sort of passive. He sets his position really well. That allows Stones to kind of be a little bit more aggressive, get out to people. Um, we might actually talk about this in podcasts to come because we'll probably have a discussion about sort of club stuff. That's my only concern about the Maguire um, Varan uh, partnership is that both of them are quite passive defenders, and I wonder whether that might cause an issue, but. Maguire being quite passive in this instance allows Stones to be slightly more aggressive and get out to people. Um, and he's another leader as well. Um, and he, his influence on the England team since coming back in was really, really good. So, yeah, couldn't agree more on those two. Um, so, let's go. Uh, so, have you gone you gone for just three central midfield players? <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Regardless of position. Okay, so... Uh, Okay, you just name name all three. So I, I've gone Pedri, Jorginho, and the potentially more controversial one, Forsberg. Right. Okay. Uh, why? What, what are yours? <laughs> I'll see that, so, and then I'll. No, no, that's fine. So, so yeah, I'm I'm working on a kind of um, I worked on a sort of four three three basis with a an out and out six, um, a slightly more uh, progressive eight, but still fairly conservative, and then with. Um, a slightly more advanced eight. So I've gone with um, Jorginho, uh, Calvin Phillips, and Pedri. Yeah. Uh, so 
Jorginho, I, I think, again, so it's probably a special mention to Verratti. It was a bit of, mm. bit of a toss-up between Jorginho and Verratti, even though they play different roles. Um, yeah. They're both excellent for Italy. Um, Jor- Jorginho's great, isn't he? He just he, yeah, he, he just keeps possession ticking over, and he fully he, he dictates the speed of the game. Chelsea fans do not appreciate Jorginho. No. He's so good. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I... I, I I suppose, I think that's probably comes from from Jorginho and Kante being at the same club. Hmm. I, I, they play the same position, really, even though they do completely different roles. Yeah, sure. They're like they, they, they both kind of need, they both perform best when they are that single pivot, as opposed to hmm. having another defender or defense-minded midfielder around them. But yeah, yeah no, Jor- Jorginho is great. He just he do- and t- dictates the play like. Or dictates the tempo of the play is sort of it's quite it's thrown around a lot about a lot of players. So like people talk about it with regards to Thiago, who I I don't, for example, think he does that in anywhere near to anywhere near as much like, as higher standard as Jorginho does. He genuinely, if you want to stop the team, you need to have someone pressing him, and England didn't in the in the final. And so Jorginho dictated the play, and he did that all throughout the tournament. And and even when teams were pressing him, it's not like he slips into loads of mistakes. He he still dictates the play, and he doesn't need that much time on the ball, which which is why, as we said, it was criminal for Mount to not be pressing him at all. Um, mm. he he's great. Uh, I'll I'll let you talk about Pedri Forsberg. So I he got he got four goals um in his four games. And he, he covered an average of just over ten kilometers per game. Um, I, I just thought in an in an a in quite an aging Swedish side um, with few bright points. Isaac being a bright point, but kind of not doing enough to make it into this. He he looked really positive in all of the games he played, where everything positive attacking came through. Forsberg he scored a couple of good goals. Um, I just think he was really solid in not a very good side, and I think that warrants a place for him in the scene of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's fair enough. Actually, no, he was he was really really good. He had that little um, sort of uh, spurt, didn't he? Um, mm. When he sort of just yeah, scoring goals for fun. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so I don't think I have anything really to add on Jorginho. As you say, just it's. Uh, just, I mean, he, he what he's not good at is defensive transition. Um, but what he gives you on the ball is unbelievable in terms of, uh, it, it, as you say, it is that sort of footballism of dictating the play and what, what exactly does that even mean? But what, what it means is that Jorginho can decide when a team are going to go or stop. He decides when he's going to keep it simple and just decides when the team's going to hold on to the ball but he can also then just explode and spread a sort of diagonal uh, and set the team off on a really fast um, counter-attacking team it's that thing of people sort of don't seem to realise how um, the ball gets from front to back and it's a player like Jorginho that you need it's a connecting tissue the midfield is a really important area and he's very very good at that Um, so then yeah I went for Calvin Phillips as you say could have been Verratti uh, Forsberg's a great choice, actually, as well. I think, um, 
But I, w- I went with Phillips because for a guy that was playing in the championship last year to be playing at this level and I think to genuinely be in with a shout of player, play, um, like England player of the tournament, I think it's Raheem yes. Sterling. But, um, and yeah, maybe Luke Shaw as well. Obviously in the discussion, but I think he's, he's very, I, let's put it this way. I don't think you'd sort of be throwing, uh, the dolls out the pram if Phillips got it. You know, I think no, he's, he, he, he's performed very well. He's, he's constantly been, um, the best presser um, that England have had uh, in the uh, for the entire tournament. I mean, just completely um, off the charts in terms of um, like um, pressures in comparison to every other England player. Like he's sort of he's put he's put up like twice as many pressures as the second highest, which is uh, Declan Rice, I think, or maybe uh, it might be Mason Mount. I can't remember now, um, but like I just I I just think that's apps like for he, he's he's come in and given what you'd expect for um, a guy that's playing under Bielsa. You'd ex, you know you want um, high tenacity, you want energy across the pitch, you want him getting up to uh, up to players and pressing them uh, pressing them um, high, and and he's given that whether he's sort of played a little bit deeper when he played a little bit more progressive as well he obviously got himself an assist um, I just think he he, ba- he basically it hasn't been the same but he basically offered for England what Kante offers for France or something just someone that's going to get about the pitch constantly he could he could play sort of twice he could play two 90s back to back and I, I still don't think he'd break a sweat he's just he's got so much energy and he's just sort of became the engine of that um, England midfield. And he played in a role that I didn't really think he was capable of in a sort of box-to-box role as well, which, again, is really impressive to sort of do that for the first... But he, he has he has done it before in his development, but since being an established professional football player at Leeds, he's only really played as the, the deep-lying six um, under Bielsa. So to come and do something very, very different... Um, to what you're doing under a very, very strict and particular regime at club level and to do something a little bit different. It's just, I think, really impressive. And also, um, he was the, uh, the first guy and immediately after Saka missed that penalty, he ran over and gave him a hug and that was really nice to see. <coughs> uh, just a nice No, I, uh, so I agree yeah. with everything you've said, even though I kind of feel like Regardless of how Calvin Phillips had played, he he's been he's been your first name in the team of the tournament oh, <laughs> since yeah. before the first ball's been kicked. <laughs> that that is almost certainly true. I'm not going to deny but, that I I'm, I but, definitely have. Um, but I but I, I I would say that that there's obviously like he's oh, there's obviously a bit of Le- a bit of Leeds bias and like mm. as to why he, he certainly say I've so I've gone Pedri Jorginho Forsberg. I would say. Verratti and Calvin Phillips to make up the top five if it was five from each position um, mm. it's very much not it's elite, It's obviously elite bias because you like him to have chosen him but no more than sort of the Sunderland bias for me picking Pickford <laughs> over Donnarumma That's, it's a perfectly a completely respectable <laughs> decision and, and I agree with everything you said he was absolutely excellent um, and it'll It'll almost be a bit disappointing to see him go back to Leeds and play that six role because mm. he obviously does it perfectly, and I'm not calling for him to move out of that position. 
but it, it, it's, it's just when you've seen a player do that much more attacking, to see him drop off and be more defensive, it's, I don't know, it's less exciting, but... Yeah, I, I think so, but I, I do think he's struggled, sort of, when he when he properly gets the ball um, higher up the pitch. I don't think he... He's not super creative, so I, I, I don't mind that he's going to drop back and do the six, but what, what it does give me hope for is that, obviously, Bielsa's quite... Uh, keen to match up um, opposition around the pitch. So if a team play with, yeah, if they play in a a four four two, or if they play the three four three, or something like that, basically where they're playing with two sixes or two eights or something, will play with basically two sixes slash eights. So that means Calvin Phillips will push up a bit and. Uh, you know, last season I think there was a couple of occasions where he was injured during some of those games or didn't really sort of have the license to be more progressive in that sort of scenario. And I, what I'm looking forward to is in those sort of games, particularly in a situation where the three-four-three now is quite a popular formation, um, so we'll probably see it a bit more often. Phillips can do that alongside, let's say, Matthias Click, and it'll it'll work. Um, and he can sort of, they can interchange a little bit and he can sort of step up and step out. And I'm excited to see him maybe given a bit more license yeah, to to get forward when the situation allows. But yeah, um, very exciting. And um, we haven't spoken about Pedri yet. So do you want us to get just, going on here? Just a little. I mean, he's, he's 18, isn't he? It's mm. <laughs> mental how good he is. And he's not, he's not the next Xavi, the next Iniesta. He's, he's unique. He's not, He's not like any of those players. He's obviously got similarities, but he's he's just really, really good at what he does. Um, and at eighteen, he has a massive future ahead of him. Mm. In that, that like of it, he he will he will be in a few years. It will it will kind of be he'll be in that Mbappe category. I would imagine. Mm. I'd, I'd be really surprised if he's not. To be honest, because he's going to go back for Barcelona and start almost every game for them now this season, isn't he? Well, yeah, you would have thought so, and I'm not. I'm not sure if we've. Um, I don't think we have touched upon this. Definitely not on the podcast, but I don't think we have privately either. But obviously, Barcelona are in a terrible financial situation right now. Um, and if I were any top club with a little bit of money to spend, I would be sort of just absent-mindedly sort of calling Barcelona and just seeing, yeah, you know what it would take. Um, what sort of fee they? Because I think if you if you spend fifty million on Pedri, I think you're getting a great deal. Oh yeah, and it, you know, imagine him in a Guardiola side, um, for example, it, it'd be it'd be unbelievable. Um, or I I, th- I feel the same about De Jong actually as well at Barcelona. Different different sort of role, a um, bit deeper. But even even someone like Man United right now who are kind of in need of a a, a deeper midfield player, but maybe one that can carry the ball as well and offer a little bit of progression. I know that they were looking at Camavinga, for example, who fits that sort of mould. I'd be phoning up um, Barcelona and just seeing what the situation is with um, De Jong as well. But yeah, on, on, on Pedri, just just unbelievable. So creative. I think carried basically the creative burden of Spain the entire tournament because I think we, we both said that Spain were very, very sort of... Um, uh, uh, like laboured in possession, just really, really slow. Didn't really seem to cut teams apart. But Pedri, 
I mean, he was the only one that looked like he was ever doing something. I think across the tournament, he put up like five goal-creating actions. So that's like uh, dribbles or passes or drawing fouls or whatever that lead to goals, ultimately. I think in, I think it's one or two steps before, so that includes assists, but also the step before that as well. Um, he's just, uh, he's just so, so much fun to watch. And as you say, at his age, what a future. Um, the other, I will just say for these positions, I'm going to give a couple of notable mentions and I'm just going to say Pogba, who I thought was really good in a France side that obviously didn't progress, but I thought he had a, a good group stage and also, uh, he was, he was good in the last 16 as well against, um, Switzerland, wasn't it? Uh, they lost to. Um, so Pogba and, uh, Kevin De Bruyne as well, although yeah. he played a little bit more advanced, but, um, again, both France and Belgium were really underwhelming, but two players that I think performed very, very well. Pogba showing what he can do when he's got competent midfield players around him to give him the freedom to do stuff. Um, uh, and Kevin, I would also argue movement up front. Yeah. yeah United, no, there's a reason United look a completely different team when Cavani plays versus mm. when he doesn't. Yeah, no, 100% can agree more on that. Um, yeah, and Benzema actually isn't too dissimilar. Uh, to like a Cavani in that sense um, but yeah I, I thought he's brilliant and then um, yeah obviously KDB just for I think we know, uh, mentioned it a couple of times just how he can change a game but like that it was that game against it was Denmark wasn't it when he came on at half time and just completely changed the uh, the outlook of the game absolutely brilliant um, right do you want to move on to the front three then so have you got what have you got for it have you got wingers or have you got all strikers I've got I've got two strikers and a winger, so, so not okay. Just go, just go. Uh, I've got yeah. So Schick, Sterling, and Ronaldo. Um, mm. I'll, I'll okay. Uh, so I'll start on the more con- the most controversial, which is Ronaldo. Obviously, mm. um, he, for me, he scored five goals. I, I know there was penalty in there, but he's Ronaldo. Um, he, he got the the golden boot. I feel I kind of feel like. That's and that's a buy into the team of the tournament. When if you, if you're the top scorer of the tournament, you're clearly like you're doing something right. Um, I think he's I he's obviously one of the best players in the world and has been one of the top two players in the world for ninety five percent of his career, if not more. Um, I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism he received would not necessarily have been levelled towards a different player. He, and Messi especially, I, I feel even more so than Ronaldo actually, suffers to having their own high standards and having been so good consistently that you see you see people, especially about Messi, you see people going, oh, he's had a poor season. It's like when he gets 20 goals and 20 assists. Like I, it's a It's a lower than average season for Messi or Ronaldo, but it's not. By any means, poor. Um, Sterling, I think, goes without saying, probably England's best player, England's top scorer. Um, proved any doubters wrong, really, in any which was many, many. Um, I, I can't remember if I said I'd start him or not before the tournament. I he's he's great. Um, and Chick scored four four goals, five goals, did he? Um, within. Uh... He got five. Five, yeah. So within a not, very, within a not very good team, to be honest. Like that, 
they weren't bad, but they and they they got further than we expected them to. But they, uh, I don't see he's kind of my my first name for that front three to be honest because I just think to score that many and also play as well as he did within the side that he was playing for just warrants that. Yeah, no, no, I I agree with that. So I I don't like Ronaldo. Um, well, that that's I uh, Ronaldo's obviously been a great player. Um, I don't like the Ronaldo that we've got right now, which is a lazy number nine that is a very good finisher, but doesn't do anything else. And I, I thought that, for example, he was quite... I, I think he pulled that Portugal side down at times because you have to play Ronaldo. I think actually he does the same thing at Juventus. You have to play Ronaldo... But he's not. He doesn't offer you anything off the ball. And when you've got good players around you, and he's just not doing anything, uh, he's not pressing. He's letting uh, letting teams just play out around him. Um, he sort of de- demands the ball. He wants to do everything, but he won't sort of work for it. I, I just, I just find him really frustrating. Um, you get a little bit of that with Messi now, for sure. But Messi, Messi will sometimes, you know, still track back, and he also comes deep, gets the ball and dribbles and gets the team up the pitch and Ronaldo doesn't do that. He just camps on the edge of the box and then, yeah, is a very good finisher. Half of his XG was penalties this tournament Um, and he scored five from 4.8 XG. So he he tracked it. He obviously, look, that's not not a bad thing. You know, you put up five XG for a reason, but that's 2.5 XG um, from open play. Um, I can't remember... All of his goals. So was it two? Was it two? Two penalties. I think I have two penalties in my head, but it <laughs> was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's say. Yeah. Let's say. I think it was two penalties. I can't remember his other three goals. Um, but um, I know that one was an absolute tap in. Um, I can't remember the others at all. No, I. I I'm now struggling. Uh, <laughs> his, his his assist was quite good. That was a sort of like a deep ball, I think, from a free kick that he then sort of kept in uh, and then was nodded nodded home by... I can't remember who now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's probably a bit of prejudice there because, again, I... But... Uh, yeah, like, like fair enough. He obviously, he obviously got the golden boot and whatever. Although I hate that you um, get the golden boot if you've got more assists. Like, that's how they work it out. I'm not a fan of that. Just share it, I think, because I think that's unfair on Schick. Um, One minute, I think, is more fair than taking into account a stat that, I don't know, it isn't isn't remotely relevant to your mm. goal-scoring ability, which is what the Golden Boot's for. That's the only well, exactly thing that's right. relevant. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I, I would rather they did it than by who's got the most non-penalty goals. Yeah, there are plenty of better ways to do yeah. it than on assists, which is nonsensical, yeah. because you might as well, I don't know, at that stage, you might as well, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not even the equivalent of goal difference versus like head-to-head, it's the equivalent of going, we're going to decide like who finishes higher based on, I don't know, who, who's got the closest number of yellow cards to 42, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's irrelevant to the... To, yeah. To what the awards for? 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, but yeah, what's your, so what, what's your three? So my three, I agree with you on two of them. So I've got Raheem Sterling and Patrick Schick there. Um, Is Ronaldo one of them that you agree on? Sh- shockingly, <laughs> no, Callum. No, I'm not sure if you noticed, but I don't think I don't think he was that impressive. Um, but I, I will qualify that with he is obviously a great player, and he's not just scored goals out of nowhere. You know, he he, he, he has done well. I just he has been it, the best player in the world at a point. Yeah, at points mm. in his career. I disagree with that. <laughs> I I think Messi's always been better than him. But I I think we, Messi overall is the better player. Yeah. But I think there are points in both of their career. It, it's been it's been obviously for the past. 15, 20 years, they have been the top two. They, they've been, even yeah. those world-class players of De Bruyne and Hazards, whoever at their peak, have not broken into that Messi-Ronaldo category. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely prejudiced as well because I, I genuinely don't like his character. Fair. Um, but whatever. Um, <laughs> for lots of reasons and I won't get into certain allegations <laughs> for the sake of I don't, want, I don't particularly want to get sued. Um, not, not, not that, not that he'll be listening to this. <laughs> I was going to say Ronaldo or all his family members actively <laughs> listening to the Everyone's a Football Critic podcast. Cristiano Ronaldo just like, oh damn it, Zach didn't think I played very well at the tournament. What a <laughs> He's shame! Crying now. He's absolutely <laughs> Cheers, Cristiano's crying. Um, but my my other one, I'm surprised. You should know who it is, Cal. It's Mikael Damsgaard. Yeah. Um, who? Uh, like it's. Similar to Pedri, I just think a guy very young. He basically came in to replace Ericsson under tough circumstances, and I just think he's done exceptionally well. Um, clearly, been the the best sort of attacking outlet for Denmark. Um, has put up some really good numbers, he, but he's also been very good off the ball as well. So defensively, he's worked very very hard. Um, and yeah, I, I, he's just one of those that was really really fun to watch this tournament, and I think that's what you love about international tournaments is it's all about it tends to be about defensive solidity and then individuals and so you want really exciting individuals and I think that's what someone like Damsgaard gave us was just someone that's really fun fairly fairly tricky um, and yes yeah, scored, scored a few goals as well so he's, he's going to get signed by someone off the back of his I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he stays at Sampdoria yeah I mean I'm, yeah I mean we'll see because I, I think there's definitely been a move away from signing players off the back of international tournaments because it's just it's a really dangerous process but I imagine he would have been on lots of people's lists prior to the tournament anyway all this would have done probably is uh, raise his value Um, yeah so it'll it'll be a big sign I'd love to see him in the Prem Uh, he's been linked to Everton from what I've seen oh has he that could be quite fun him in behind Calvert-Lewin it it could be but (laughs) I think what a what a waste to have him in a Rafa really size. size that <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna press. I'd love to see him. Uh, I think about this actually with Danzig and Schick. Like they'd be really good in the high pressy size. I mean, I think we we spoke about it with Schick that he would fit really well at Leeds. Um, I, I feel I feel quite similar about Damsgaard. I think he would do very well at Leeds, and I I think similarly would do very well under Guardiola or something like that. Or um, who else would they be good at in the in the Prem? Um, da- do you know Damsgaard would be insane at Southampton? I, so, <laughs> I yeah. have that in my head. 
but I feel like it's just because his name fits there. Of like of all the <laughs> of all the Premier League teams, it, it just feels like a Southampton signing, doesn't it? That yeah, it, it does. But Hassan Hootal, I really like him. Li- likes to press. Um, it's, it's very counter pressy. Um, they played that very narrow four four two. I think he'd be perfect for one of those kind of um, wide players that turn into a sort of free eight or number ten coming more centrally. So that'd be that'd be quite exciting. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I don't. Th- I imagine he'd probably be too much money for them, and pr- like might just be might have sort of um, his stature might be just a little bit higher than Southampton. No disrespect to Southampton, but I think he probably could move to a definitely a team playing in Europe. Um, yeah. Like whether that's Europa League, and I think probably Southampton just aren't quite challenging enough there. Um, if Aston Villa hadn't already signed and linked with every wide player under the sun, I would maybe suggest there as well. But I think they're probably. You see, they're linked with Leon Bailey. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Grealish is going right. Surely they don't need all of these attacking players. This, this, we'll do another podcast. Pod, <laughs> we'll do a podcast on Aston Villa uh, another time. Because um, the Euros are over now, so now we've got to work out uh, other stuff to do. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought uh, Damsgaard was great. Um, I think I, I think you said everything really there is to say about Schick. I think he kept pace really well. Um, he massively outperformed his xG. I think his xG was uh, one second. I've got it. Got it here. Uh, his non-penalty xG. Oh, one sec. Talk amongst um, yourselves. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves for a bit. Um, yeah, so I'll talk when yeah, you find it. Go. On yeah, on Schick, go. I do I do feel though if <clears throat> say if Damsgaard is bought off the back of the Euros, like you say, it's it increases stock. He's already on lots of clubs' radars. I do feel like Schick could be the one who would be a Euros mm. buy and then potentially yes. not do as well. It's better. <laughs> Especially, I, I was going to say, I don't have the data, but I presumed he outperformed his XG, which tends to be yeah. a sign to steer clear often. He, yeah, no, he he's definitely almost... I almost feel a bit sorry for him, because he's the sort of player that maybe 10 years ago, maybe even less than that, would have definitely got signed off the back of this tournament, and he won't now, because uh, I think clubs are just smarter for the most part. Um, or clubs that are stupid enough to do it just don't have the money to do it right now. Um but yeah, he, he his XG was two point four, and he obviously scored five, so that's double all the usual caveats of small uh, sample <laughs> size and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I I'd be wary of that. And obviously, you look at some of the goals he scored as well, like um, like that 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 one from the halfway line, for example. That's hardly sort of uh, replicatable. Probably form. quite low XG, <laughs> uh, marginally. Um, but. But I think for an international tournament, when you're assessing, okay, who's the best number nine from this tournament? I think a guy playing for the Czech Republic that's managed to out outshoot his XG by double or over double, actually, um, it, in tournament football, is exactly what you need. That's that that is, you know, because the most elite strikers consistently outperform their XG. That's what makes them elite. It's a good thing to do. It's just that when you're analysing data and analysing the potential of um, players to work in certain um, systems or whether this is about kind of, uh, is a striker going to consistently score as well as they have done in previous seasons, then you're going to look at XG and probably go, well, if he's outperformed it by double, that's probably 
not um, a trend that's going to continue and he's probably going to regress to the mean at some point. But um, in terms of within a, a, a single tournament, it's a small data set, what he's done is finished very, very well. Like he's he's just been a very good striker. Um, so I think that's I, I think that's very impressive, particularly because obviously Czech Republic aren't, again, no disrespect for Czech Republic, but aren't one of the stronger sides. And I think for Schick to score five goals in the tournament, when they only made... Where did they make it to? Quarterfinal? Yeah. Or was it last 16? They... Where did they go out? <laughs> I don't... I don't remember. I think... Uh, I want to say... I want to say... Um, quarterfinal. No, they went no. out. Oh, no, yes. Yeah, no, he played... For, yeah, Schick played five matches, so quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarterfinals, they lost to Denmark. Yes. Um... So that that you know, fairly impressive for a guy that hasn't made it to the final to be up there with, um, in terms of like golden boot stuff. Obviously, Ronaldo got it, and he only played. Um, well, he played a game less than he played. Uh, no, where did, how many games did Ronaldo play? Yeah, four. Four. four yeah, yeah, they lost. They lost in the last sixteen, didn't they? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, both of them fairly impressive. Having only got to, like, having not got to the final stage of the tournament and be the top goal scorers is quite, quite impressive. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm just gonna, I've got a couple of, uh, honorable net mentions. I'm gonna say Chiesa Italy, um, yep. who I thought looked very good once he came in, uh, offered them something a little bit different. I thought Depay was very good for the time that he played at Netherlands and Netherlands just were, like, were not good enough in the knockout stage, like, they're, their performances in the group stage were never going to be able to be uh, replicated against better sides. Um, and that came to pass, but I thought he was very good the whole time. Get, similarly with Lukaku, Belgium, again, disappointing, but I thought Lukaku did very well and showed, showed um, a little bit of something different that he doesn't get to do so often at Inter, I don't think, which is sort of um, actually quite a lot of um, technical ability on the ball. He's quite good at beating a man. He's actually got fairly good feet for quite a big chap. Yeah. Um, so that that was nice to see. Um, Isaac, who didn't even get to score a goal, but um, looked really, really good for Sweden. Um, yes. Or Isaac, rather. I think he's probably how you pronounce it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he was he was really good. Um, shame that he didn't get a goal, but I'm excited to see. I think he'll get a, a move at some point as well. Um, Jeremy Doku, in the limited yeah. uh, times we saw him, just an elite dribbler. Uh, mm-hmm. Great to see. Um Oh, and I didn't mention, um, actually, for defence, but uh, Gosens at yes. Germany. Yeah, uh, yeah, Because he was great, but obviously Germany going out in the last <coughs> 16 just meant that he probably wasn't going to get into a team of the tournament, but he was And great. he's not traditionally a left-back either. Yeah, yeah, like, true. He obviously has played there, but that it's always more impressive when a player's playing that well out of position. Yeah, yeah although I do think he's really well suited to that like left-wing-back yeah. role. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, but yeah, you got you got any honourable mentions or anything else? Oh <coughs> no, no one that I've not mentioned already oh, when we've been going the, through it. Actually, uh, I don't. I haven't done this, but on the fly, manager of the tournament. Ooh. Oh, I really don't know. I, I off the top of my head, I, do, I just don't remember enough to answer that <laughs> to, to a high standard. Who I think so. so I think Southgate deserves a lot of credit for how tactically intelligent he was because that was really 
no no one doubts his man management ability, but that, but that was really what we did doubt about him, um, and, he, and he, I, he proved us wrong. To be perfectly honest, mm. like he he really was very tactically intelligent, and he wasn't perfect. And as as I've said, I think he was majorly responsible for the final performance, but. Um, like massive credit has to go to him for proving a lot of doubters wrong, and and I I, yeah. I don't see any any valid argument for being in the Southgate out camp mm. right now. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I think the only two possible candidates for manager of the tournament are uh, Mancini and Southgate. Yeah, um, and I think what both of them have done very well is that their teams have got to that stage of the tournament. Largely because their systems were the best. Um, I, I also think they have some of the best players, but I don't think either of those teams relied on individuals. You know, we could have done, we could have relied on Jack Grealish, um, and gone, gone from that approach, but we didn't, we didn't play him. We played arguably worse players that fit the system better. Um, so I think it, it's definitely between those two. I think, I think that Mancini's Italy is probably one of the very few international teams I've seen where you watch them and you think they genuinely look like a club side and a, and a decent club side as well. Um, Southgate played, took very much the international um, sort of tournament approach of being very um, conservative and risk averse. Whereas Mancini played some really nice football and ultimately won the tournament and showed that that is often the best place to go. Because I think that Southgate's approach was always potentially going to fall short against a really good side and it did and I think really we were fairly outmatched by Italy in the end the the result doesn't necessarily show that but I think they were far far superior to us um for the most part so I think I think I'd, uh, I think I'd probably go Mancini um I think that's fair I, I wouldn't dispute I, that by any means yeah I don't think anyone else like lower down the tournament really had a particularly like great um um system or like particularly like great tactical mm-hmm. setup that means that they're really in with a shout on it of it. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's that's probably the I think we should probably call call it a day there because we've yeah. been going for ages. I might I might split this up into two episodes. Yeah, um, that might be a shout. Given I think we <coughs> spoke a lot longer about both of those sections than I think we anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is always the way I thought this would be a really short episode and it's our <laughs> longest one yet. So Yeah, uh, I know. I was expecting it to be a quick yeah. one. Oh uh, yeah, I'll split this up. And yeah, if you're listening to the end of presumably uh part two, <laughs> just ignore this because I've already done it. Um <laughs> But anyway, thank you for listening to both of these uh these episodes. Um as we've sort of alluded to during this episode um, obviously the Euros is over so our coverage of the Euros must cease now uh, we never really intended for this to be an international football podcast so um, like solely we'll probably you know if we last that long we'll we'll do the World Cup maybe but um, it's obviously now getting into pre-season so a lot of the stuff is about transfers and that sort of stuff so we'll probably start doing stuff related to that um, what I think we'd ideally like to do is get a a fan of particular clubs on um, and sort of have a discussion with them about what they think that their club needs and maybe we can um, suggest whether particular rumours are 
sensible or not sensible, um, or you know why why certain teams might be going for certain players, and we can just go through some of the le- links um, or signings indeed that they've already made. So um, yeah, I think we'll do that. I don't know yeah what we'll, we'll what we'll start with first, but we'll definitely so we'll we'll obviously uh, as as a Sunderland and a Leeds fan, we'll obviously have a a Sunderland episode and a Leeds episode kind of focused on that potentially with another fan of the club, so it's a three-person thing. Um, we're obviously not going to be able to do in as much detail every Premier League club, say, or every whatever club. If there are any... We'll try and do what we can and what we'll, we'll chat to people we know who listen and get a gist for it, but if there are any teams you, you're, you're listening and specifically want us to do, just tweet us in, send a message to the page, like, I, th- I think our DMs are open if you don't want to be publicly tweeting. I'll, I'll put them on. If they're not, I'll check that. Um, just let us know, because like, we, we've really enjoyed doing this. And it'll be, we've had some really nice um, feedback. It just <laughs> we're, we'll, we're enjoying this. We'll, we'll do what listeners want us to do, really. Just give us some... Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly happy and comfortable talking about most Premier League clubs obviously maybe not as well as specific fans of those clubs but I I, this is where I out myself as a fucking loser but (laughs) I watched every single Premier League game last season Um, and I watched quite a lot of uh, Ligue 1 as well and um, a little bit of a little bit less but a little bit of La Liga as well and then even less so of Syria but so happy to do that and I think we'll Predominantly the Premier League clubs, we'll do a couple of foreign clubs, we'll obviously do um, Sunderland. I would quite like to um, have a chat about um, a, maybe another club in League One as well, maybe do a, a championship club as well. Um, if, if we can and if it makes sense and if we can get maybe a fan of a, a club on. Uh, I would quite like to cover the whole pyramid insofar as we can, but obviously the Premier League being the most accessible uh, in terms of footage and data and stuff, it it, it makes the most sense, uh, and obviously also, also the other top five leagues, but in the UK specifically. Um, so I think yeah, we'll, we'll probably do that. And uh, as Cal says, um, happy to sort of take requests on that uh, if you want to be on it as well. Um, if you are a fan of a club and you you fancy 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 a chance mm. to have a chat about them on a platform, um, then please let us know because. We're happy to happy to sort of cover every club. We won't be able to cover literally every club, but um, yeah, we'll do as many as we can. And some of the interesting ones, like for example, I think it'd be quite interesting to do uh, Crystal Palace, just because of how big of a, a building job that they have to do, and they've already made a few signings. So yeah. I think that'd be a good one to do. Brentford, another one that I'm mm-hmm. quite looking forward to with their yeah. analytics based yeah. signings. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, um, we're doing more. Obviously, yeah, Man United are. Made quite a few movements in the market, um, so yeah, um, yeah, I think it should be good fun. Yeah, all that's um, left to say is thanks for listening, and I'll get you to do it. Why? Where can they find us, Zach? Oh, the roles have been reversed. <laughs> oh, how the turntables! Um, they can find us at eafc underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're at everyone's a football critic on Facebook without the brackets because. Mark Zuckerberg sucks. Um, <laughs> probably not as well. Um, and, and we're on, we're, we're at yeah. every podcast provider that I 
think you could probably want. Um, and and you, you've missed a, a social media platform there, Zach. We've got a new one out. Oh, we got a new one. We've got Instagram, haven't we, Callum? Uh, I actually don't know what our Instagram is. Yeah, no, um, I had to double check. It's 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 the same as the Twitter. It's at eamc okay. underscore podcast. That's so, that's good. You want you want you want consistency across your platforms for the for the brand for the, the brand. The the main one though. I, if you've got got Facebook, got Instagram, whatever, we we will be posting the podcasts on there. There's probably a little more on our Twitter. That's the one we're most active. If we put, yeah. I put a post out earlier today, just sort of explaining we've been busy. We've got yeah. a pod, this pod <laughs> coming out at some point. Um, we just Twitter is the one where we yeah. won't miss any posts, whereas the yeah. other ones might come up a bit short. It's definitely the easiest place for discussion as well. So if you are interested in talking to us, if you have a question, if you disagree with us or agree with us or just fancy having a chat about football, like we're there. Um, we both uh, love talking football, obviously, and we're fair. We're both fairly active on Twitter um, and there to reply to things. So yeah, please, please, please follow us. Um, uh, obviously, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, listening to this right now so you're probably on your ideal podcast provider but there might be another one you want to listen to we are probably on that um recommend it to a friend um uh, write a review that always seems to help i think just all that sort of stuff like if you if you feel inclined this stuff is helpful and um yeah we'll be we'll be back with another episode soon probably doing a rundown of some clubs transfer policy but yeah probably sometime next week um so yeah Thank you very much, Callum, and thank you very much to you guys for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.